Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very excited to be joined by Jeremy Keishin, who is the CEO and co-founder of Code HS. He's also the author of a new book called Read, Write, Code, which we'll be talking about on today's episode. But before we get to any of that, Jeremy, welcome to Trending in Education. Yeah, thank you, Mike. Excited to be here and excited to chat. Yeah, and you have an exciting history. So there's a lot of excitement going on. You're someone who identified a trend early and got out ahead of some of the topics we talk about a lot on this show around 21st century skills and the ability to code. And even from the the title of your book, clearly you view the ability to code and understand technology as really an essential life skill for the 21st century. We always begin by asking our guests for their origin story. So as someone who's had an interesting career in educational technology, can you tell us a little bit about what got you to this point in your career? Yeah, yeah, sure. We started CodeHS back in 2012. The way we got started was myself, my co-founder, Zach. We were computer science students at Stanford. We started teaching the intro computer science classes there, running small sections, later on helped lecture some of the big courses, build a lot of those tools. What we saw was everyone was taking computer science and saw really how this applies. How does this apply to me? How can I use this even if I don't want to be a professional programmer? It was just obvious. The classes were also exploding at the time. We were shifting from all the, this is true, all of the programs were graded by TAs on pen and paper. So we Mm. would literally print them out and I would roll stacks of those and they were just getting past the point where like it was too much paper. And so that was the system that I had built as maybe as a sophomore, was this paperless grading system, which they, you know, they're using, they've been using versions of that for, for a while. And it was just, it was so, it was obvious, but it was actually just a localized trend. And so when we got to the end of, of college, we started CodeHS also in a class at school or, you, you know, you start a company in 10 weeks and we've been doing it since then. Yeah. Um, what we saw was, yeah, it, it seemed obvious, but most high schools didn't teach it. Most places didn't know how to start and how do you make something fun, friendly, and accessible? Because I think that first step is so important because there's a lot of ways to teach computer science where you can turn everyone off and you can say, this is too hard. This is no fun. This is not for me. Only certain type of people do this. Yes. So I think changing that since the show is about trends, I think seeing that trend back almost 10 years ago now, it seemed obvious, but the K-12 system is a little bit slower to adapt, yes. but it's going that way. And I think right. speaking with you today, writing the book, um, also seeing, again, this is super important K-12, seeing the change of the state standards and state requirements where you know, year after year, more states are saying schools and districts are required to offer a computer science class. This might be needed for graduation. Everyone should take one class in major school districts. That trend you can see is just going year over year. Yeah, And it's a, it's a little bit slower, but I think if you ask teachers, if you ask parents, hey, what should we be learning? People want students to learn basic computer science, and it's, it's still not quite there. It's still actually early. It's going to take some time, but the trend is definitely going that direction. It's a lot of what I write. Yeah, that makes sense. 
that makes sense. Uh, it reminds me of the the famous uh, William Gibson quote: uh, "The future is here now; it's just not very not evenly distributed." Yes, that's exactly that's exactly right. And yeah. that's and and that's also an analogy I bring in right at the beginning of the book, and also in our work with Code HS, which is you said, "Hey, everyone should learn reading and writing." This is also the title: "Everyone should learn reading and writing." Now, that's not controversial. You use reading and writing. You don't have to be a professional writer, a professional reader, right? But you're using reading and writing. You might be writing emails. You might be reading papers, news articles, whatever it is. It's an essential part of what we're teaching. But and 500 years ago. That wasn't the case. It was much more limited. And right. then what changed was, you know, after the introduction of the printing press, the explosion of books, that increase in literacy, that boom over the next few hundred years, now it's obvious. My argument in the book is we're at the printing press moment mm. for computers and the internet. That yeah. there actually, there is a small group of people today who know coding and know what you can do with it and know how it connects everywhere. But most people actually don't know. And I would argue they don't know what they're missing. Right. You know, they don't know what they're missing yet. Someone goes, oh, this doesn't apply to me. I think that, and that's what the trend I think you'll see over the next five, 10, 50 years. It's just going to become more and more essential to be conversant, to understand, hey, how is code? How right. is this whole world of technology impacting me? So that's the trend, you yeah. know, and it's going one way. Yeah. So I think you want to be on top of that trend. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting that you made a tough choice, a little bit provocative. You cut arithmetic. It is read and it's not arithmetic, it's read, right. write, code. And I, I was thinking about that. I thought first it'd be a funny joke. So congratulations right, to me. Right, but, right. but then secondly, it is interesting as, uh, as I do this show more regularly, there's a lot of controversy around math programs sure. in K-12. And then if you think about the, the need to evolve math curricula, right. and then at the same time, the need to develop folks who are at least code aware, even yeah. if they're not necessarily writing the codes, they understand how the, the technology works. Do you have any thoughts? That's a great question. I don't think that my point would be this replaces math. I think, I don't think that. I think as you get more advanced with computer science, it for sure builds on. And if anything, it applies a lot of the math. People are wondering, I think along the way, we get this question from a lot of teachers, and I think it's a reasonable question asked all along the way in education. How does this apply? You can apply so many mathematical concepts in a really awesome, interactive, cool way in yeah. computer science. And that's what that looks like at, at the college level. So you could say, hey, how am I applying probability within data science? Right. How am I applying linear algebra within computer graphics or machine learning? And so I think they're very connected. Yeah. And I, I like the way you were very broad across the applications of technology and then also very detailed in terms of the fundamentals of how code and building applications work. So it's a pretty ambitious uh, book, even though it's written in a very accessible, gentle tone. That's it's, what I'm going for. I yeah. really think that there's people who are, they already know this stuff and there's books for, I want to be a professional programmer and all that. I would say that there's just a lot of people, this includes a lot of educators, they, they know of computer science, they've heard of it, but they don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. And it sounds intimidating. And it's just this feeling of, that's not for me. That's yes. not for me. And I, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. And I would argue we're, we're, they're doing themselves a disservice. They're doing their students or even they're doing the community disservice. I think it's something that is totally learnable. I definitely believe in growth mindset. And yeah. Start changing. But yeah, the goal is to be really accessible. You read this book, you're an expert but you may not even have known how all the pieces connect. And I, yeah. I think that's what was missing. And 
when I thought about writing the book is you know, sometimes a teacher might be going and teaching their first, first computer science class or they're learning, hey, how do we teach intro CS or in JavaScript or Python? But I do think that as you get farther along in learning, there's more context to understand. And if you can understand that context and how the puzzle pieces fit together, I think it makes everything make a lot more sense. So an example would be, again, why I think this is important, even if you're not going to be a professional programmer. You read in the news and the health system gets hacked. A school district gets hacked. An election is getting, there are security issues with the machines. And I would say people maybe mostly even lack the basic vocabulary and foundation to discuss it in a really, in just a normal way. Yeah. And that's something that actually, if we just had that foundation or it was more common to say, hey, okay, what is hacking? What concerns should I have about my data and my privacy? Some of the ideas proposed by legislators could be total nonsense because yes. they're like, you're saying, hey, what's the basic things that people should understand who are legislating? And yeah. To know that a lot of the legislation is so connected to technology mm -hmm. and people may not understand, hey, what does that mean if we're talking about net neutrality, your data yes. privacy, your data mm -hmm. security or encryption? And you go, wait, th these are actually totally understandable things. We can teach them to high school students and actually adults should know about it because we should be discussing, hey, yeah, what do we want to be the way that we think about our data privacy and data yeah. security? And it's not just, oh, it's just my data. I don't care. Understand, hey, what does that mean when we collect billions of people's data? And right. And I think bringing that just general education as a foundation will, it's just, it's just super important. It reminded me, I'm glad you brought up uh, growth mindset because I, I think that is a, a real thing where a lot of people tend to distance themselves from this and assume that someone who knows technology will figure these things out for them. Not to pile on Mark Zuckerberg, but I think back to Zuck's famous congressional hearings. Bunch of different rounds of them and like the level of lack of understanding that was evidenced by a lot of the the senators who were right trying and, to ask questions and that that's exactly this i think that's a total shame because it impacts people in a huge way yeah and we could you know you could really be discussing okay yeah for this next generation what i try and do the book is give some kind of thought questions too which is okay now here's yeah. what we're talking about when we're talking about data or privacy or security or AI or risks of AI. And what are the pros and cons? What are the risks? How do we ensure that the technology that we're building and that students are working on is used and has positive impacts? And I think right now we're in this kind of mist of reckoning with, say it's social media like yeah. problems, misinformation. It's like, yeah, I'm definitely someone who thinks, hey, the technology can be used in a good way, but it's not an automatic thing. And that's, I think, an important aspect of the education that we're going to be doing over the next 10 or 20 years is you're infusing CS and coding with applications, with kind of just different questions around societal impacts. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we're seeing it play out now. And I think we're seeing the, yeah, I think we're seeing the effect of what happens when it's the stuff is not widely understood. People yeah. kind of shrug well, it off. And it's doubly scary if you think about it, because on the one hand, there's the five or 10% of the population who folks just assume are going to handle all the technology. And then even within that group, they frequently don't understand the algorithms, what the algorithms are doing that they've right. created. Right. So that's, yeah, that's a whole nother good question. I taught, yeah, there's different levels of, of understanding algorithms at a basic level. An algorithm, something that's very simple, it could be a step-by-step -step process or 
you know, what's your recipe or how are you going to go do something? But then algorithms can get very complicated and people may not be able to anticipate the outcomes of the algorithms that they've created once they've written them. And yeah, I think that the impact that these algorithms have on people's lives is mm -hmm. huge. And it could be something, there's different examples, but it could be something innocuous. Oh, how am I recommending what you should buy or what you should watch? Be much more sophisticated than that. It could be used in police departments. And is that good? Is that bad? There's definitely risks. And this is the world that we live in. I think a lot of people just don't know yet. Yeah. And knowledge is power. Knowing is half right. the battle, uh, to quote a uh, quote G.I. Joe. So I, I do think there is a level of almost overcoming your own your own fear and your own negative self-talk, which right. uh, which I think I've seen that it's like the old math is hard. Yes, on, this know. is another, this is a vert, this is an avert version of that. Yeah, yeah. So where do you see this playing forward in terms of, we have clearly some problems to address in terms of our K-12 education system. I would argue it extends really throughout our lifetime right. where folks who maybe missed an opportunity to learn this stuff back in the day need to be retrained, need to change their mindset, lean right. into the, the challenge to learn more. Any recommendations? Recommendations, any thoughts on how we can get out ahead of some of the challenges that we're facing right. here? For school district leaders, the ones who are thinking ahead and pushing the envelope are going to be prioritizing computer science education and a really unified plan. We're seeing this in some places. Again, it's happening. It's not evenly distributed, but yeah, yeah. Um, those educational leaders are going to be saying, hey, we need to be teaching these digital skills. We don't just need everyone to be consuming apps on their phone. We need to think about how to be smart with it, how to be responsible with it, how to use it, how to apply it in various ways, how to create within your community. So I think educational leaders who are pushing the envelope will prioritize having K-12 computer science. I think you'll see continued changes at the state levels with, with updated standards, with added standards. And then with later on, I think you'll see requirements. I think you'll see it happening in other countries. Again, it already is happening. It's just this trend is going on and it's been accelerating It's gonna, and it's going to keep going. Yeah. Yeah. And then one of the thoughts that I had, in addition to relevance, which you talked about, like in some ways, computer science is a way to make your math curriculum or your logic curriculum right. relevant because right. people can understand, oh, I can actually do things. I can make things. The other element that we talk about a lot on the show is a maker's mindset and the right. creator economy, which right. I think is related. Can you talk a little bit about that? How does it change the way you see things when you understand how they're made? I think it's very empowering for students. It goes from, oh, I have this idea to, oh, I can actually make this idea. And I say this in the book and I, and I say this whenever like when I talk to schools a lot. I think a very motivating thing in, in learning and in computer science education is saying, how can you do something that's fun and applies to you and connects to your interests? And so for me, when I was in high school and college, I was running a comedy newspaper and would build the website for that. I started with very little projects, projects where the middle schoolers on our site are doing things more advanced than what I did. But that is where people start. We use an example with a little dog who knows these basic commands. Yes, yes. That's how we taught people at Stanford. The people who are making the apps that everyone's using and Instagram and Snapchat or everything, that's how they learn too. It starts super simple. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you can say, hey, how can you uh, apply what you're learning to motivated projects and then grow those over time, that's very motivating. And as it relates to the maker and creator economy, those are the building blocks for that. Yeah. Those are the building blocks for that. And so I think you can bring your skills in computer science 
plus your interest in art, plus your interest in biology. And then, you know, one thing I like to think about is learning computer science closes no doors. You're interested in business and finance and you're bringing your computer science toolkit. Now you just have a whole nother added set of skills. Mm -hmm. And so I think that in this kind of maker creator economy, digital skills, coding skills, you can combine them with design skills or yes. media skills and the people who, who bring that tool set, that kind of generalist tool set, but then have a specialized interest. Those people I think are going to excel. Yeah, those are, those are the so founders. Coding, yeah. coding is one of the modes of the future creative economy for sure. And then yeah. this gets into, and I talk about this in the book, just so people know, like open source yeah, and how does that all work? So I, I think, yes, very connected, connected yeah. to all those things. Yeah, and it, it remind, your book reminded me that uh, life is an open book test as well. So like when you have access right. to good reference materials, I think a lot of people who don't know what it's like to code or develop things think that coders are a beautiful mind and everything right. just immediately comes together for them when a lot of the work is more about grit and resilience and problem solving and right. being resourceful about finding resources. You exactly. talk a lot about debugging. Can you talk exactly. a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's a ton of misconceptions. I think there are a ton of misconceptions. I talk about debugging. Debugging is you have a problem in your code and you want to try and fix it and you're going to be a detective. And that's what people are doing, whether they're, they're starting in their high school students or they're professional programmers on our team. We have people who are programming and, that, and that's what we're doing. We're solving those types of problems and you can get better at that pattern recognition over time, the more that you do it. Yeah. It's overcoming your fear to a certain extent. I remember right. looking at a Pew research about digital readiness a few years ago, right. and I think roughly half of uh, the population was really not digitally ready, ranging from right. just not knowing how to do this stuff to what was described as cautious clickers. So people who oh. are afraid to break like i don't want to push that yes friend yes a friend of mine the other day called like me and that. that that is yes yeah. i have seen that report but the afraid to click things uh, this is this smashes the afraid to click things mindset completely because yeah. the way that you're going to learn encoding is you're going to click everything and break everything and figure yeah. out how it all works and figure out the edge cases which is hey it works in this case but why doesn't it work when i type in Zero. Oh, right. I have to handle that case. Yeah. And you're moving from afraid to break things to how does this actually work? Yeah. And it, um, it, it, and I, I frequently quote uh, Nelson Mandela, I never lose, I either learn or win. So right. like when a developer, and I've been around a lot of developers and engineers throughout my career, and I'll, I'm always struck by how excited and interested they get when they discover a problem, where for me, I just want the solution for them frequently they'll sit and enjoy the complexity or the, that's an interesting wrinkle. I hadn't really thought about the problem that way. A lot of it almost seems like a, just a mindset shift that, right. uh, that we have to establish. And I think it requires maybe more of a coaching mindset right. from your teachers. Uh, can you talk to that? Yeah. I think a lot of the things around coding could be just a black box before. So it's just someone else does this. I don't know how this works. Mm -hmm. You're talking about what's it like working with developers or being a developer or working engineer and orientation towards the problem. I think that's super important. I would say the other aspect though, is even if you're not going to be a developer and you're working with people who are interacting with technology, which is everyone, yeah. ability to be conversant, come up with better solutions to the problem mm -hmm. also is hugely changed. What I see in our organization and even in a lot of other organizations is that there could be this gap 
mm -hmm. this game of telephone. Yes. Someone's talking about what's the problem that they have, how do they want to describe it, what are potential solutions, mm -hmm. and just the gap with how that may actually work. So when you understand the world of what's possible and how it may actually work, I think that's going to just, even for people who are working on software, technology teams, but from any department, Yeah. again, so many things are moving where they have a software component. Yeah. And, and leaders need to know how to empathize with their engineers uh, and also hold them accountable and be conversant in the fundamentals. And then right. to your point, if you learn these skills, you can also become a leader. You can found a company. Exactly. Yeah. I, exactly. Exactly. I wouldn't pigeonhole it to say, oh, it's just if you want to be a programmer. I think it's super applicable, even if you don't. And it's just, again, to bring together that skill set. You're very interested in, again, whatever your area is. And I kind of, so you look at coding and you say, okay. It could be a very good vocational skill to learn. It's also a very good academic skill. And so if you're looking at just how, for example, say graduate research, what does graduate research look like in chemistry and economics? They're doing coding. Yes, They're yes. doing coding to do economics. Mm -hmm. People don't know that yet. Right, right, They're right. doing coding to understand simulations around mm -hmm. chemistry around biology, around DNA, data analysis, around right. even history. Like how are you looking at data set? That's what the academic side looks like. Yeah. So that coding is a tool set to do whatever you want to do. So I think the, the real power skill set of the next five, 10 years and ongoing is how do you, you know, bring a specialized skill set and coding? Yeah. You know, if you just have one or the other, again, that's good, but you're maybe right. not finding those interesting connections. Yeah. Makes sense. And then I know you mentioned a lot of other zeitgeisty hot topics like right. uh, like right. data science, the blockchain, right. there's 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 a uh, Bitcoin, there's a lot of what's new and what's emerging, a lot of this just in. We're a trend spotting show, so thank you for your service. Is there anything new and emerging if we're looking ahead, you're talking 5-10 years data science uh right. super hot uh topic. Where do you see the world of work heading? Are there other trends out there that we haven't talked about so far right. that folks should keep an eye on? Right. Yeah, great question. I talk a little bit about cybersecurity and a little bit about cryptocurrency in the book. I think cybersecurity is going to keep being very important, both at a personal level and organizational level. I think most people don't have the basic cybersecurity protection skills, just they're out online and they don't have any of their defenses. And there is just a few set of even smaller behaviors that people can do to keep themselves safe online. Again, you might learn different things, whether you're in middle school or high school or you're an adult, but if you're an adult and you have an account and every account that you have on the internet uses the same password, you can't do that. And then when things get hacked. There's billions and billions of records that have been hacked. If one password is released somewhere, they can just go use your password somewhere else. So just understanding like little things like that might help protect you individually. But then organizationally, like I mentioned, a health system's hacked, an education system's hacked, a business is hacked. How do, do organizational leaders deal with that and understand the impacts and mitigations? And also, again, a huge part of the mitigations is educational. It's, hey, beware of phishing yeah, attacks. Yeah. Here's how you keep yourself safe. Here's you know, how we do things in this organization. So I think you're going to keep reading about cybersecurity. You're going to keep reading about hacks. It's hard to keep up with the hackers. So the education there will be important. Yeah. And cryptocurrency has definitely been a lot in the news. It's, I think, an interesting application towards a finance. And there's a lot of applications, whether that's there's Bitcoin, there's Ethereum, there's hundreds and hundreds more. There's this there's DeFi, which is decentralized financial applications. And, and it's all saying, built, it's built on the blockchain. 
Yeah, there, yeah, there's different ones. Yeah, there's different. There's a lot. That's there's a whole topic to that. And saying, hey, how do we take things that are in this old financial world and move them online and make them digital and make them decentralized? And that's that's not going away. That's only increasing. Yeah, and what struck me from your book, because uh, I made me imagine more what you're doing with Code HS, is that where would a junior high school student or a high school student have informed conversations about these new types of technology? And I think the answer is pretty much only in computer science classes, although maybe it's starting to become relevant in other contexts, which is why it does... It, Definitely connected a few things in my mind in terms of the work that you're doing. As we're getting close to time here, Jeremy, are there any other uh, thoughts or concepts or ideas you wanted to get out there while we're having this conversation? Yeah, yeah. I would say to the point of spotting trends, this is the way things are going. Whether you're a student, if you're a teacher, if you're a computer science teacher, if you're an educator, you're an administrative leader, the world is becoming more driven by technology. A lot of people don't understand it. And it's something that actually can be very understandable. It's important to give a fun and friendly introduction. That's what the book's trying to do. That's what we're doing at Code HS. It's going to impact, it's going to impact people all over. And I think we want to get on top of that. And we talked about cybersecurity. We talked about cryptocurrency. We talked about algorithms. We didn't get to talk about this one, but with AI, that's here, that's coming. And I would say it's an essential skill. It's yeah. an essential skill and I hope more and more schools do it. That's what we're helping people do. But I also want it to be something where it's fun and it's accessible and we're not pushing people away and yeah. we can make the next generation of software tools continue to make a, a positive impact and use it to be entrepreneurial, to be creative, to solve problems. That's the opportunity within K-12 education in the next 10 years. So, awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Great stuff from Jeremy Keishin, the CEO and co-founder of Code HS, the author of Read, Write, Code. It's definitely an accessible book that those of you who might be a little trepidatious about the world of coding and technology, come on in. The water is fine. Thanks again to Jeremy for joining. Thanks to our listeners for listening. This is Trending in Education. We'll be back again soon.